On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Steve Smitty Smith, owner of Rivers Wild Flies and Smitty's Flybox. We discuss fly fishing in Logan, starting a fly tying company, and the future of the industry. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is Chase, and I've got Nate here as well. Hi, everybody. And we've got Steve Smitty Smith. That's me. Of uh, Rivers Wild Flies and Smitty's Flybox. Yes, good to be here. Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate having uh, having you up here on campus. Um, just to start, do you mind telling us a little bit about your role with Rivers Wild Flies and Smitty's? Yeah, you bet. So Rivers Wild Flies is a, it's a family business that was started by my dad and myself about 25 years ago. Um, so it's, you know, it's been in the family and my dad since, uh, retired and I've taken over full time and, uh, Smitty's fly box is kind of a, a complimentary business that we have to rivers, wild flies, a monthly subscription box, which is really fairly new about a year into it now that, that we've got going. So I'm technically the owner of both. Well, that's great. How did uh, how did Rivers Wild Flies start? We'll get into both companies, but maybe chronologically, let's let's talk Rivers Wild Flies. What what's sure. the company do? Um, how did it start? Maybe you can get into that history. Yeah, for sure. So we're a, a wholesale manufacturer of flies. So we make flies. We have um, a couple of tying facilities overseas in Thailand and China, where our flies are actually produced. And a quick history about it is my dad was the Utah State basketball coach back in the 80s, early 90s, and um, he got fired from that business, or from that job, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, so it was a transition time, so our, you know, our family's always fish. It's been a generational thing, my grandpa, my great-grandpa, so that's always been a part of our life. And so my dad just came home and said, I'm going to start a, a fly fishing business, and he started out with a little fly shop in Logan here called Con's Trout Shop few people may remember that time it was a fun time and he ran that for a little bit and then uh through some contacts that he had in the coaching world and that he uh he got the idea to to make flies overseas and and actually moved to china for a time and and trained the workers how to tie flies and and i was in high school at the time and i was sending boxes of materials out of my parents garage and we were communicating via fax machine wow (laughs) this was pre-email pre-internet uh, days and uh, so yeah my dad lived over there and, and kind of got the uh, manufacturing process started and then we just began wholesaling flies to local retailers and mainly Utah and Idaho. So how did how do you even begin to start a, a fly tying company? I mean where did he pick up his knowledge? How did he start getting into that? I, I imagine he was buying flies off the shelf and started to figure out what worked, what didn't, what he liked, what he yeah. didn't, and then got into tying. Yeah, and that's still a popular thing is people tying their own flies. Um, and he, when he was a basketball coach, you know, it was a high-stress job, and, and I think he enjoyed tying flies as just a diversion. I can remember we've always had a fly tying vent bench in our house. We've always had feather. I mean, I've had hooks in my feet from the carpet <laughs> many times when I was a kid. And we've just, I just can't remember a time when we didn't tie flies. And so he was good at it. And, and so it was pretty easy for him. It was an easy transition. He, he understood how to tie flies and understood. Um, and, you know, it took some help along the way with others and, and um, the 
learning curve there, but he, uh, it wasn't hard for him to go over there and teach ladies how to tie flies. So at that time, where where was most of the fly manufacturing happening? Was it all kind of transitioning there? Yeah. What was the mm-hmm. landscape? Yeah, way back in the day, it used to be where there would be a little fly shop in town and there would be a group of fly tires maybe in the area that would tie flies at home. Or uh, Dan Bailey's up in Montana had an operation of, of ladies that would tie flies and it was here. And then uh, in the 70s, a few, it started moving overseas into uh I believe India was one of the first places. Um, a few companies started setting up shop because um, it's so labor intensive. You can't have a machine do it or anything like that. And so um, that's kind of how it happened, and it just progressed from there. And uh, now there's, you know, a, a lot of most flies, almost all the commercially tied flies are tied over in Thailand or or um, different places like that. So, yeah. so so now you've you've taken over the business mm-hmm. and and bought out your dad sounds like how is that working with overseas manufacturers what what's your background in in the business and and how was that yeah it's much easier nowadays with technology you know we we can communicate so easily um so i communicate daily usually or with our factory and our factory workers and we can do a lot with video and and share files and things like that so it's it's becoming much easier that way to communicate and handle that and shipping um you know it's it's pretty seamless to to ship a bunch of flies in a small box so um that makes it easier there's a little bit of advantage there with flies so it's it's not too difficult so i handle all that i handle all those logisticals i handle working with our factories and our tires um everything from a to z yep well, that's great. How how is it running the business from Cash Valley? How's that experience been? Well, it's um, you you know technically we could really run the business from anywhere, right. but it's such a great place to live. Yeah, Cash Valley and and our family roots are deep here, um, so we feel blessed and lucky that we can live here. And the Blacksmith Fork River is a half a mile from our shop. And so um, it's just a wonderful place to live. Great testing ground, proving oh. ground for, for new flies. I've got, within 20 minutes, I've got three trout streams that I can fish, and I've got numerous reservoirs I can fish within three hours in every direction. I'm world-class rivers, the Green River, the Henry's Fork, the South. I mean, I can go on and on, the Madison River. That, those are world destinations where people come from all over the world, and in a day's drive, I can be there and be home and fish those great rivers. So. That's great. You can't beat that. Um, no. And that's something that I, I love to talk to people about is, well, why do you choose to, to be here when a business could be located anywhere? Especially now with technology, you really mm-hmm. could run this anywhere. So yeah. we're glad that you choose to do it here. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about, um, I mean, who, who are some of your wholesale clients and, and what's the wholesale business look like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've uh, we've worked with a num- number of larger retailers. Um, Sportsman's Warehouse has been a great partner of ours um, from day one. You know that that relationship has been for twenty five years since they were one store in Midvale there, and and a lot of regional uh, chains or um, Smith and Edwards is a, has been another great client of ours. The Shields store, so and not to mention all the uh, mom pa stores. There's still a healthy amount of fly shops and and mom-and-pa stores um, that we deal with. So, 
What is that first conversation look like? I don't know if you were you there when you first approached sportsmen's and what does that conversation look like when you're trying to sell them flies? Well, it's a funny story actually how that came about. So rewind to where my dad got fired and he's starting to make a, uh, he's going to start a fly tying business and everyone thought he was crazy. Like what? Oh, geez, Khan's lost his mind. Here's an old coach that's just gone mad, you know? So, but he had a lot of people that he knew a lot of people and a lot of people knew him. So back then there was a new style of fly that was coming out. People were starting to put beads on flies, beadhead nymphs, which is a staple now. And uh, he, he went down to Sportsman's Warehouse, and he had a bunch of these beadhead nymphs, and they didn't have them in their, their store. And the guy recognized him as Con Smith, as the uh, basketball coach. And so my dad said, hey, listen, I see you don't have these beadheads. you got to have these in your store. Let's just put a little display out here. I'm, gonna let you, I'm just going to basically give these to you, and just let's just see how they sell. And, and he kind of got his foot in the door that way, and they sold in like a week. And so they said, hey, we need to restock those beadheads. God, everyone's asking for them. And so he, we got another order. And then they said, hey, let's get this little side end cap, and we'll build a display there. And it just kind of went on and on to where now we supply all their stores, um, sole supplier of flies for all their stores. Wow. And, and it's been a great partnership. And so, But that's how it started, really, is, is you know, I think the guy felt bad for him because he was a fired coach. So... Yeah. Well, when someone's going into the store and, and buying a fly, I mean, for you in kind of the wholesale business, do, do people develop a, an affinity or loyalty to to Rivers Wildflies in particular when they're buying it through Sportsman's? How much is that loyalty important to you? Or do yeah. you feel like most people come in and, and, and they don't really know what they're buying in particular? Yeah, Speak there's, to that there, there's a little bit of that because it's hard to put a brand on a fly. Yeah. It's hard to you know, put a big sign a on a fly, what it is. Yeah, right. you're going to slap a logo on that. <laughs> so there's a little bit of that, that that it's hard for people to recognize. But, you know, we've been in those sportsman stores for so long, and the pricing is so good that I think that, you know, you build that that loyalty that, hey, I can, I'll can i just get my flies there because I can get them for a good price, and, and they've been tested. And and um, so, yeah, I think there's some loyalty there with that. And we try to maintain that, do the best we can, and and, and keep good flies in those bins for sure. Right, and then aligning yourself with with the trusted name like Sportsman's, mm -hmm. they're they're the ones that are really going to bring people in, and so right. you rely on them as as that name and that trusted trusted organization to bring people in to even get to your flies. Right, absolutely. Um, that's great. Um, how often are you developing new flies? I'm, I'm curious. Is that is that a part of the business where you're actively looking to to create new flies? And that's the fun part. Okay. That's yeah. that's uh, daily. I it's funny. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be like, squirrel bait. That's a great name for a fly, <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason. And then we'll sit down and try to, you know, we'll tinker and then we'll go fish and we'll take them on trips. Or, or another fly that I I developed was called a gunslinger. That was a we fished the Madison River all the time in Montana, and I always like to tie new flies for our trip up there. And I tied this little fly, and man, I just killed the fish on that trip and next thing you know my cousins and everyone's asking me for a gunslinger and and i named it that fly because i was watching espn and they were talking about espn or they're talking about quarterbacks nfl quarterbacks and they're like oh he's a real gunslinger and i thought perfect let's name it a gunslinger and it kind of stuck so that's the fun part is sitting down designing a pattern fishing it hard for a while you know and and then putting it to market and then having other people 
come to me and say, I got to have that fly, that thing. I had a great day on the water. I took my son out and we caught all kinds of fish. That's the fun part. So it's interesting. The amount of R and D that goes into a fly, how, what's, I don't know. Can you even quantify how many hours you feel like goes into the development of, of a new product? Well, you know, it's when, when you're a fly tire every day, there's something new coming off. And sometimes they look really, really cool. And they look really cool on Instagram with a picture, but then you take them out and fish and you're like, man, I just, it just doesn't fish right. It might not swim right. It might not float right. And it just might not really catch fish, you know? So there's some time there that I like to make sure, obviously, before we, we, we bring it to market and it's tested and I have other people use it and, and then, then we'll then we'll decide after that. So, so you you have a network of, I guess maybe fly fishing influencers or testers where you send out new product and you get them yeah. using it on different yep, yeah, different I, environments. I have some of my guys that I'll say they come to me and I give them little boxes here and there. Say use these and tell me what you think. And that's for sure. That's yeah. great. What's it been like? You grew up in a house. Your dad loved doing this, and obviously that probably got passed down to you to take a passion or a love or a hobby and turn it into a, a career in an industry. Has there been kind of like a, a less, does it, does it diminish it at all? Or I think in some cases it, it could. Um, you know, I've ne- I haven't felt that really. I, there's not a day that I go to work every day and I just love to go to work. And I love to look at flies. And, and, and it really hasn't, I love to fish. You know, sometimes you, it becomes your job and, and you want to go do something else when you're not at work, you go play golf or play basketball or whatever it is. So, um, I think that can happen. Um, but for me, I haven't really felt that. Um, I, I actually look forward to the chance to go fishing. And that's the side thing is I, I just hired a kid, a guy full time. And he says, man, I seem like I was fishing a lot more when I wasn't working for you. Cause we're working when everyone else is fishing, you know, so we, we have to force ourselves and schedule time to make trips. Otherwise we're stuck in the warehouse all day long, you know? So, um, but no, I haven't really felt that as it hasn't really diminished my interest in fly fishing being in the industry industry. So, um, but I can see how maybe in some cases that could be, that could happen. We have quite a few of our students who I think they, they realize that as well as they, so our students are in the outdoor product design and development program and, and some of them, you know, big skiers or, um, you know, big rock climbers and they get into industry and they realize, Oh, I don't get to just play with gear all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so probably similar, but I think a lot of them realize, Oh, okay. It's just a balance. And yeah, you know, you got to put in the hours and then find the time outside of work to, yeah, you know, to go and play as well. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, wanted to transition a little bit what what do you feel the fly fishing industry uh where do you feel it's at right now i think it's pretty healthy actually um there seems to be a renewed um renewed interest maybe with social media and the growth of that and instagram and facebook and people sharing and and people see that and they want to be a part of it be outside um see these awesome places that we fish and so and then with the fly tying, with video, people can share so much so easily that uh, I think it sparked a lot of interest. And there's a lot of uh, new people wanting to get into the sport, which is really cool to see younger generation and that. So um, I think it's pretty healthy. We had uh, 
Paul Holden, who runs the Cash Anglers yeah. group up mm-hmm. here, and and he was saying that was one of his main concerns um, with fishing is oh, we just need really a new batch of people coming in mm-hmm. to the industry. And I agree, I see that around me, a lot of my friends, and um, and especially on social media, a lot of people sharing the places that they're going fishing. So I think I, I would agree. I think it's it's going in a positive direction. Yeah, right? for sure. So yeah. uh, with that are there ways that the fly fishing industry is changing? And maybe that's a good segue into to the other business that you run, um, Smitty's Flybox, where you're going more direct-to-consumer subscription-type yeah. model. Do you see the industry changing? And maybe you do, and that's what inspired Yeah, this I new think company. you have to adapt a little bit. Like any other retailer right now or any other wholesaler, um, you have to adapt to the environment and how people get their product. And, and that was kind of how Smitty's Flybox was born. It was... I just saw a way that, that I could get product to people. You know, one of the things that people, when they first start out fly fishing, it can be overwhelming. It's what fly do I use? And, yeah. and that information, how do I find And it's a little intimidating, maybe going in and asking someone in a fly shop and this and that. And um, so that's kind of how Smitty's was born was I thought, man, I just tell me where you're fishing and what type of fish. And I, I can get you the right, I can pick them out for you. And people like that service getting getting the flies every month um for their area and where they fish and and they that takes the guesswork out of it so so yeah i see i see changes and i saw that as an opportunity and where now you can connect with individual customers so easily it's that connection personal connection um that i wanted to kind of take advantage of and tap that a little bit and see where it goes so walk us through that experience for a customer. They go to your website. Mm-hmm. I, I looked on there. There's a few different options in terms of boxes um, mm-hmm. that they can buy. Is it based on region? You mentioned that. Do, do they submit their region and you handpick yep. what they're getting each month? Exactly. So when they check out, if they if they want, would like to get the fly subscription, which is 12 flies a month, um, when they check out, they tell me where they're fishing, um, what type of fish they're targeting, and then they any other information that they want. So when I get their order and I see, you know, Joe Blow in South Carolina, um, I already have a pretty good idea because I've been distributing flies all over the U.S. for a long time. I have a pretty good idea of what works, where, and when. And then we actually do a lot of research. And I'll specifically pick six patterns and send them two flies of each for that area for that month. And so um, – and. We might not get it exactly right all the time, but we get pretty darn close. And we've had a lot of really positive feedback from guys that, that have said, man, you, you hit it right on the head, you know. And and people have said, I don't even know what to – I just want to get into fly fishing. I just want to get some flies. And then we'll put a little note in there and kind of tell them use this for that. And it just helps them get going with it a little bit. So, yeah, it's it's really simple. So. Do yeah. they get a different set of flies each time? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every month because it changes with the season right. um, depending on hatches and weather and, and all of that. So we take all that into account for sure. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. So it sounds like positive response. Oh, yeah. In, yeah, in the first real, year of the business. Yeah, it's been really good. It's it's And we're learning ourselves. We're, we're tweaking all the time, trying to make it better. And But, yeah, it's been a really fun feedback, and, and that's the difference. The personal connection. We have a Facebook group called Smitty's Fly Group, and a lot of our subscribers are in that group. And so, it's amazing the chatter. And I feel like I know all these people, and I've I've never met them. You know, they're like my buddies now. So, 
yeah, it's it's fun to build that community. Well, the difference between starting Rivers Wildflies in the days of fax and that distance between you and the customer, and <laughs> yeah. now it's so drastic. That, yep. That's, I mean, for you, that's that's a dream to be able to have access to to your customer, really, just in a Facebook group that you can yeah. talk to. Yep. Yep. For how sure. how does that change how you're creating new products? Is does that accelerate? the amount of products that you're creating because you're getting more feedback or? Yeah, it helps. It, it definitely helps getting all that feedback. We get better information of what customers want. Um, we're every day we're looking at think messages coming back, um, looking what other people are doing and just seeing what's working. So yeah, it, it, there, it sparks a lot of uh, imagination in, in our design process for sure. Yeah. I, I think, I think the Smitty's model is really interesting because I've, I've been in that place where you go into sportsman and you see, I don't know, hundreds of flies in front of you. And that's yeah. daunting. You're kind of paralyzed by the amount of choices that you have. Yeah. Um, and so I can see the appeal of a, of a Smitty's where, oh, it just comes to me. So mm-hmm. that's that's interesting that you you took that and ran with it. And it's, it's yeah. great to see that that's been positive. Yeah. And the other side, too, I'd like to mention with the Smitty's Fly Boxes, we do the fly tying boxes. Yeah. So here on campus at Utah State, I teach the uh, beginner fly tying class and the intermediate fly tying class. So we made a box for each of those. And really the idea came from teaching the classes because a lot of students in the class would be like, man, how do I get the materials for this pattern we just tied in class? It's really cool. And I thought, well, we ought to put something together and deliver it to it. So we have a beginner fly tying box. And every month we choose a new pattern, more on the beginner side, and then we send enough materials to tie, you know, about 25 of that particular fly. And then we have an intermediate. We'll choose a little more intricate flies um, and do the same thing. And those have been really popular. There's really no one doing that out there Mm. um, or doing it as well as we are. And we have a huge warehouse. And so it's it's, um, easy for us to... uh, to break up some of those materials. And, and I think it's been a great service and I'm really excited about that as that grows and getting more people into fly tying for sure. Yeah. Cause for you, you know, whether they're fly tying or fishing, just seeing the industry grow is, is good for the business. Yep. If it's people, yep. you know, tying it in their, in, in their garage, they're going to come back to you anyway. Yep. So overall that, that's really positive. What, what's ca- uh, what's fishing in Cache Valley like? And what's, oh, what's, man. what's the market? What's the, what's the opportunity that we yeah. have here? Well, we live in a great place. As I mentioned before, the Logan river is what a mile from campus and there's close to 30 miles of public water that you can fish. And it's a great river. Um, I grew up fishing the Logan river. You're not, not a lot of huge fish, but you can get into a lot of fish and we have the, the native cutthroats which are a lot of fun to catch and they're beautiful. And you're in Logan Canyon, one of the most beautiful places on earth. And uh, so we're just really lucky to have have the Logan River. What's great about it, and more and more people are finding out about it, more and more people are fishing, but you can still catch fish. Yeah, I tell people, just drive up the canyon. If there's a pull-off and the river looks good, it probably is good. Just pull off and start fishing, you know? And there might be a guy there and chat and maybe leapfrog him around and give him space and, and we can all enjoy it. So... It's a it's just a great spot, and and then what five miles to the south we have the Blacksmith Fork River, really similar. Five more miles we have the Little Bear River. If you go to the north side, we've got the Cub River just across the border. 
in in uh, up there by Franklin, which basically drains the other side of the of uh, the Logan Range there, um, the Logan River. And then we've got the Bear River narrows up by Preston. So what's that? Five rivers within 45 minute drive. So it's really it's it's spectacular, and I think sometimes I take it for granted how close we are to great trout fishing. Yeah. And and then really just central to the larger region as well. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the other, you know, great spots kind of, yeah, know, surrounding Cache Valley. So so you know the Provo River down close to Heber City Park City Provo area is a, what mm-hmm. two hour drive. We've got the Green River, which is blue ribbon trout water, one of the greatest rivers in in, in America, which is about a three hour drive. I do that. I get up in the morning and I go float that all day and be home that same night. That's a day trip. Wow. We've got the Snake River, the South Fork of the Snake River, the Henry's Fork, the Madison River, the Gray's River. I mean, I can go on and on. The Salt River. Um, we're all in that. Logan is nestled because we've got these Idaho rivers, the Wyoming rivers, and the Utah rivers, and then even the southern Montana, which is all within a three, four-hour drive. So it's I can't think of a better place to live, honestly. <laughs> That's great. Um, you know, you mentioned that your dad had a fly, fly tying, fly fishing shop here. Um, I can't remember the one that, that was most recently kind of in that, um, that area that's kind of turning over right now on the Logan river. Um, can't remember the round rocks. Yeah. Round rocks. Mm -hmm. Um, that's has, has since closed and that building, that whole area has come down. Um, is there an opportunity for a local, shop here in town or i know that you know kind of the owls of the world are kind of you know you've got that you've got sportsmen's Mm -hmm. what's the future for kind of a specialty shop in our area yeah i think you know if there's someone wants to get in there and and do it um we actually did it my dad had a cons trout shop for a while we had a little retail store for a while uh there's been a few come and go in, in logan but um you know, I think if, if there was the right guy that came in and, and, and really worked at it and, and, and uh, you know, formed his little niche and did a good job, I think there's there's people here. I think it would work for yeah. sure. So that specialty component is, is always important. There's always going to be people who want to go in and, and talk with someone, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. So we'll see if that maybe, you know, with, with our massive reach, we can, <laughs> we can inspire someone to do that. Yeah. But that was sad for me to see that Round Rocks come down. So. Yeah. You know, that, that building, we built that building. Oh, you did? When we had our shop there, we had a little retail store for about a year, but we were also doing the wholesale business. Um, but we just got so busy with the wholesale side, we, we just decided to focus our business on that. So uh, we built that log cabin. So I was pretty sad. And if you remember, there was a big fly up it's there. Yeah, I right. missed the fly. Yeah. The, the fly. We put that up, actually. And the backstory to that, I, I believe that uh, we had a hard time getting some signage with ordinances. And so uh, my dad had a buddy, college buddy, that does some uh, welding and does some mining work down in Price. And he said, hey, I'll make you a sign. And we didn't think much of it. And he showed up a couple of weeks later in a big flatbed trailer with this giant fly. And we thought, wow, okay, put it up, I guess. And <laughs> we considered it artwork. So... Uh, we were somehow able to get around the Logan City <laughs> nice. stuff. I don't know how all that worked, but uh, well, that yeah. was like, that was iconic for a long time. Yeah, too, yeah, right there by the river. Yeah, so I'm sad to see that go, but you know, it's a new start of what they got going down there, and 
life moves on, you know. Any idea where that fly ended up? Yeah. Last I heard, I thought it ended up in Vernal or someplace. Oh, okay. Uh, so another it lives shop on somewhere. somewhere. Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear it's still around. We'll do, yeah. we'll do a behind the Highlander podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll track track it down. Find it. That would be, I would be interested. So I, one Christmas, my dad made me climb up there and try to put Christmas lights <laughs> on that thing. <laughs> Which I, that's typical con right there, yeah. you know, Clark Griswold, you know, and yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to survive that day, so. <laughs> We're glad you did. Yeah. yeah. You made it through that Christmas. <laughs> um, why do you think there's, well, I mean, a lot of it goes back to just, this is a great place to have a business, be in this industry, but it seems like between you, there's also some other fishing companies around and, and Rainey's is the other one. So it just mm-hmm. seems like it's a, it's a great place to be in the in the fishing business. And it's just interesting to see three, you know, fly tying companies in this area. Yeah. 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 I just think regionally, like I said, it's the location is good and, and a large concentration of the fly market is in the West. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're pretty well located for that for sure. So we've talked about all the positives of, of Cache Valley as an outdoor rec destination. Is there anything that you'd like to see changed or improved to provide better, just maybe better awareness around the sport around cash Valley as a, a destination for outdoor activity. What do you, what would you like to see changed or improved? You know, I, uh, I think just the recognition of what we have here in Logan, we've been a well-kept secret, which I, I like that yeah. part of it too, but, but really, um, you know, I, I just, that brand or maybe that image of what we have here in Logan yeah, see that that improve a little bit and and because uh, we just live in a great place it's it's just a, a one and there's so much to do outside of fishing you know if people that come here you know would fall in love with what we have to offer and, and with the canyons and the skiing and everything hiking biking camping hunting we we've got all of that so um, it's just a great place it's my hometown and and um, maybe uh, portray that a little better Right. I I feel like we're moving, we're trending in the right direction. We've talked about this in a previous episode, but it seems like the city and county are really dedicated to making some of these, you know, making the river more accessible for people, especially the Logan River right now with some of the changes happening coming right under Main Street. Um, We, again, we had Paul Holden on with Cash Anglers and he said the potential for urban fishing is, is huge. Yeah. And it's something that I never even considered. I never considered fishing the Logan River right in the downtown. You know, it's it's funny you bring that up. I was just down there yesterday with my family, and, and I was in one of the parks, and I can see they're trying to, you know, all the restoration they're doing now around the Logan Golf. I think it's awesome because, like you said, a lot of those spots along that part in the urban never really accessed. It was really overgrown. It was hard to get in there. We had floodwaters. We had you know, it was just hard to fish all through town and there's a lot of good water. And so it's cool to see what the city's doing, opening it up, making some trails, making access a lot easier and open up the river a lot, a lot of sections of river that we can get in fish now that maybe it was hard to access before. Right. And I think that's the only thing that I would say, let's continue to do that. That's the only improvement that I would say. Nate, anything that you think? I mean, I missed out on a couple of my secret swimming holes when I was a kid, but I'm too old for that. Now, so I appreciate the access yeah. and being able to yeah. fish. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, how do we stay in touch with you, each of the companies, if someone yeah, wants to so, reach out? Or? Uh, yeah. R- you can go to our websites, 
riverswildflies.com or smittysflybox.com is where you can find me. Um, and there should be links for email or anything. Yeah, feel free. Anyone like to have any questions or anything, I'd, I'd be glad to hear from anybody. Well, great. Thanks again for taking the time and, and sharing some stories. Uh, you know, I, I love the fly fishing in- industry, love fly fishing. So it's fun to talk with you and, and hear your passion for, for this space and for Cache Valley. So thanks again yeah. for coming on, taking thanks the time. Thanks for having me, guys. I yep. appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more outdoor stories and content, connect with us on highlandermag.com. Thank you.